I'll just mention at the beginning, um, who thinks that we should be proclaiming the gospel? Yeah, that's a good start, isn't it? Yeah, who thinks we should be doing what we can to make sure the gospel goes out into all the world, Lise? Yeah? Who owns a mobile phone? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, pretty much everybody. Who's been on YouTube before? Anybody heard of YouTube? Now, I'm looking at you now. <laughs> now, if Rob has heard of YouTube, then I'm assuming that most of it, Anne, you must have heard of YouTube. You've heard of it. She's heard of it. Okay, so what, but Dave is doing a great job, Dave, at um, relaunching our, our website. And we've been on YouTube now for quite a while. Okay, and we've got 47 subscribers, Chris, haven't we? Yeah, Chris has become the 47th sub subscriber. Okay, so what I want you to do, it's highly important, okay? All of our messages are going out on YouTube. They go out on Facebook, but predominantly the, 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 the platform that we want to be reaching people is on YouTube, okay? So what I want you to do, it's not difficult, okay, is when you go home, won't do it now because it could get quite chaotic, but go onto YouTube, type in the Worship Centre Plymouth, okay? Then when it comes up on your, your screen, make sure it's the one with Plymouth with our logo on there because there's a couple other worship centers, okay? We want them, you can subscribe to them if you want, but we want you to be subscribing to our channel. Okay, why is that important, you might say? Well, why do I need to subscribe to your channel? You're not going to get charged, okay? It's free. There's no, when you hear a subscription, you think, oh my goodness, how much am I going to have to pay? There's no charge. Okay, but what that does is on, we're on 47, Chris, aren't we? Yeah, Chris is number 47. When you get to 100, our 100th person will get a little prize, okay? But also, we haven't worked that one out yet, okay? That's just a front. <laughs> but what that means is at the moment, our, our title on, on YouTube is all gobbledygook. It's all random numbers, letters, because we haven't got 100 subscribers yet. But when you reach 100 subscribers, Dave, don't we? You get to call the domain name the Worship Center, which will give us a bit more kind of credibility within the, the social media world. Okay, so that's what I'm aiming for. By Christmas, all right, I'm going to be bold and brave. I want 100 subscribers, Wendy, all right? Have you subscribed yet? You don't know if you subscribe. Chris says you need to sort them out and get them on subscribing, okay? Why is that important? Because as we preach the message and it's going out, there's something called an algorithm. Oh, that's a big, big word, isn't it? So the more subscribers we have, the more likes we get on our, on, our, um, on our platform, the algorithm picks that up and it pushes it higher up on people's feeds. Okay, so what Dave's going to be doing, Dave's going to be linking certain words that we're preaching in our messages. So when average Mr. Jones and... And Mrs. Smith are looking for things, searching maybe on YouTube or saying, I'm struggling with this. I'm Our feed will come up higher on their, on their list of things to look at. So that's important, isn't it? Yeah, so I want you to be with us on that. I'm looking for 100. I want to tell you, who's competitive in this place? I'll stick my Who's competitive? Yeah, Ma, you're competitive. Well, PCC have got over 800 subscribers. All right, so I'm not looking to get in a comp, but I would like to have at least one. I think in this place, the worship center, we're at least good for 100, aren't we? Yeah, we're at least good for 100. I don't, you know, whether you've got friends or family, all they have to do is just push the subscribe button on there. 
Okay, you have to have an email account. I should have, I should have mentioned that. You, can't just, you have to have an email account, a Google email set up on there, but most people have got that already linked to it. If you've got a problem, come and see me or Dave and we'll set you up on there, okay? We'll do that, Dave. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm walking on there. <laughs> but Dave's our tech guy. Oh, he's already got a problem. Yeah, but this is this YouTube related now, okay? Is, that, is it YouTube related problem? Yeah? He doesn't know what to do. We'll sort you out, okay? We'll sort you out. The what, sorry? Yeah, like, subscribe. When you hear people, you go on other people's YouTube channels and they're always like, subscribe, subscribe. One of Rosie's that she watches is really annoying. It's one of these like young kid American ones. Oh, she's coming at all American gargan. Someone's done it. We've got one more. One more. Hey, we got 48. Here we go. It's like... <laughs> so... Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Like you say, friends, family, they don't even have to be Christian. I, I know some non-Christians that actually enjoy watching our YouTube content that we put out. It's important. In this day and age, you can actually increase and bring forward God's coming back. You know, Jesus coming back because he said, wait, I'll come back when the gospel is preached to the ends of the earth. And we have an amazing opportunity in today's age where the gospel of Jesus can go out to everywhere. Yeah, I was messaging Trudy in the week, and she was on, um, in a taxi going to, to Mexico. She was in the taxi, and she's messaging. I'm saying, send us a picture of where you are, I said, so it's like real time. She said, I can't. She said, there's no, not great signal. But she said, the guy I'm sat next to, she said, she's sharing a taxi with someone. She said, the guy I'm sat next to is sat there picking his nose. She's going... <laughs> So I'm like, oh, that's just, she was absolutely disgusted. But it's amazing, isn't it, the world that we live in? Technology that can go out. I love it. So you can do that. We'd encourage you to do that. For up to 48, we'll keep going. Okay, we'll keep going. I want to get to 100. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Okay, we want to celebrate. Where's Sally? Sally, Sally, there you are. We want to come on, stand up. We want to celebrate you. Celestine, come on, stand up. We want to celebrate you. Leanne, come on, stand up. We want to celebrate these three lovely ladies this week graduated in their respective disciplines, yes? So we want to honour you, okay? We want to celebrate you and we say that we're proud of you. We're proud of you for your achievements that you achieved this week. You had your graduations, yeah, I believe. I want to tell you, God's proud of you. God is proud for the hard work that you've put in. He's proud of you and we're proud of you as a family this morning. We celebrate you. We honour you for the achievements that you've done this week. And I believe it's not just, not just the end. God's got the start for you. What he started, he's going to complete. And this is just the beginning. Because you may be qualified, but God doesn't call the qualified. God doesn't call the qualified. What does he do? He qualifies the cord. And you're called. You're called to be a light in the darkness. And so I'm celebrating you this morning. As a church, as a family, we love you and we're so proud of what you've done, yeah? So yeah, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay, you can, unless you want to come up and be part of what I'm doing this morning, then you can sit down. That's great. Brilliant. Love it. Love it. Who remembers last Sunday? Yeah? Come on, Irene. Eh? You remember the pal. Yeah, you remember the pal. Yeah, it's my peace. It's my peace, and I'm keeping it. It's my peace. Come on, Irene, wasn't it? Yeah? Beach balls. I haven't got beach balls. I've got nothing kind of going on here today. It's all right. We don't need beach balls, all right? Says you're off the hook, all right, today. 
It's my peace and I'm keeping it. And I want to tell you how relevant that was even for this week. As I'm preaching, you know, I'm preaching to myself. That's right. Lots of people, I've heard people say this week, it's easy for you. That's what they say. They probably say it to you as well, didn't they? They say it's easy. All you've got to do is stand up. I want to tell you, we have to live. And Wendy on Wednesday, we have to live what we're speaking. Ever before we get up here, it's not easy for me. But I have to hold on to that peace. And it's so important in these days that we're living in is peace. It's my peace. Jesus says, my peace I give you. And I've got to hold on to it. I've got to hold on to it. See, unless you've got a heart for Jesus, even if you're graduated, the most skillful, the most educated people will fail. Unless they have a heart for Jesus. So keep your hearts on Jesus, yeah? I know you will because you're lovely people. I know you'll keep your hearts on him. Thank you. Let's turn to Romans 8. Do we put up my message title? Who's ready for the message title today? Oh, he's put it up already. Look, here we go. Okay, he's already working. He's already working. You're all looking down at your Bibles, look. Look at this. He's already working, so I'm good. Everybody say that. Say, he's already working. He's already working. Now say, so I'm good. Annie, so I'm good. Okay, he's already working, so I'm good. So here we go, Romans 8, verse 28. I I just love Romans 8. Anybody else with me on that one? Yeah, it's one of my favorite. I know you say if you were on a desert island, you would take the book of Genesis and the book of John. There you go. If Rob was on a desert island, I don't know where you'd get the book of Genesis and the book of John, but if it suddenly, if you're allowed to take two books, huh? get it on YouTube. Get it on YouTube. <laughs> as long as he's subscribed. <laughs> on a de- Wendy's like, I wish he was on the desert island. <laughs> oh, dear. Romans chapter 8, I want to tell you, I could just... Has anyone ever been, like, have a massage or a, sat in a hot tub or been in a, a jacuzzi or been in a sauna when you love that kind of spa day? I want to tell you, Romans 8, that's for me. Okay, it's like for me, sitting in a hot tub, just kind of, I could bask in Romans 8 all day long. I could meditate on it, Nora, all day long. I just love it. And I want to encourage you, later on, your homework, all right, I'm giving you homework earlier, right? Romans 8. Just refresh yourself with what Romans 8 says. Okay, I could just sit in it. The verses to me are just so good. But verse 28, it says, and we know. And we know. What do we know? What do we know? We know we've got 48 subscribers now. That's what we know. But what do we know? And we know that all things, all things. What's the Greek word there for all? What do you think the Greek word for all means there? Steve, the Greek word for all, it means all. It means everything, all things. See, you're learning Greek this morning. All things, we know it, work together for good. But what about when things are tough? Do we know it then? All things are working together for good. He's already working. He's already Working. It says that they work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. See, it's working together. It's like a cake. It's working. You've got different ingredients that all work together. Now, I'm led to believe doing a cake, you've got the eggs, 
You got the flour, sugar, eggs, anybody else? Milk, butter, little bit of dirt, little bit of grass, little bit of, see it, sultanas, raisins. Oh, you're trying to go down too much of a specific cake now, a general cake, fruit cake. But they work together, don't they? When they're all put in the mixing bowl, they work together for a good cake. Now, if you've got the right mixture, the right balance, the right amount, then it's a good cake. But if you don't put things like dirt and other stuff, because they don't work together. Yes, you can put it in there, but they don't work together. Dump it. Dump it. Dump it. See, but they're all, and this is what Paul is saying, all things, they work together for our good. All things, good and bad, often. You see, but Paul here is not just talking about the temporal. All things work together for our good, for those who love God and accord according to his purpose. But he's not just talking about the temporal here. He's talking about our spiritual as well. And he's talking about the eternal as well. That all things are working for my good and for your good today how cool is that it's the complete package see I could just stop there at verse 28 but I want to go on because it's not even part of my message but I want you to see this it says that we are being conformed in verse 29 to the image of his son Jesus meaning that we have God's love is restored to us we're being conformed to his image his love is being restored to us and not only that but God's likeness is being renewed to us. (laughs) Renewed to us, man. God's image is being renewed to us. So who does the calling then? Verse 30, it says, Moreover, he who predestined, thus predetermined, these he also called, and those that he called, those he justified, and those he justified, these he also glorified. Who's doing the calling? Who's doing the justifying? Who's doing the glorifying? Do we know? God. It's God that's doing it. It's God that do. We need to understand. It's God that calls. It's God that justifies. And it says, verse 31, I love this one. It says, so if God then is for us, and he is, if God is for us, thanks, Kat. If God is for us, Jen, what's it say? It says, who then, or what then, can be against us? If God is for you, and he is this morning, he's for you, then who can be against you? Wow. Wow. There are 34 then. Who condemns us? If God justifies us, God calls us, God redeems us, made us righteous, who then's condemning us? Because it isn't God. No. Again, I heard this week someone said to me, I don't feel saved. I said, join the club. <laughs> I said, there's some days where I don't feel saved. Of course you're saved. Well, I know I am, but my mind sometimes. Feelings, brother. That's what I said. Hey, you, saved every night. You'd make a good pastor, you would. I've been one. 
But that's what we've got to do. We've got to get hold of our mind because the fight is real. And the enemy will come to condemn you. And he'll come to say you've messed up. And he'll come to say you've got it wrong. And he'll come to say, where is God then in that situation he promised you? Where is he? And you have to be strong in your mind and in your heart to say, you're a liar, devil. Shut your mouth. You can't tell the truth. It's God who calls me. It's God that's for me. And if God is for me, then who can be against you? You've got to nail that. Because verse 35 then says, Who then shall separate us from his love? Iris, who? Who's going to separate? If God, the creator of the universe, is for you, what can separate you, Pete, from his love this morning? Nothing. Nothing can separate you. Nothing can come between your soul, John, your soul in glory. Yeah, we're not living for the temporal. I keep saying it. We're living for the eternal. That's what matters. But today, there's nothing that can separate you from his glory. Nothing. Nothing can separate you. When we abide in God's love, that's funny, isn't it? We've just been singing about abiding in him. When we abide in him, nothing can separate us. It goes even further. Romans 5, back, it says that while we were actually still sinners, while we were enemies, Charles, (laughs) you want to know how much God loves you? While you were an enemy, he died for you, Darren. While you were an enemy, how much more now that he saved you and made you righteous, how much more now will he be for you and be good to you? He's already working. So I'm good. And you're good. Verse 37, it gets even better. He says, I'm a more than an overcomer in all these things through Christ who loved us. See, no weapon it says that is formed is going to prosper. No weapon formed will prosper. It doesn't say it won't be formed. Elaine, it doesn't say it won't be formed. Just because we believe in Jesus doesn't mean we're not going to have hard times. But what I love about it, and you've heard it before, I'm sure, but we need to remind ourselves is even though it may be formed, it's not going to prosper, Lise. It's not going to prosper in your family. Because he's for you, not against you. And his banner over you today is love. Because he loves you. You're his treasure this morning. And he's already working for you. So you're good. He's working for your good, so you're good. Thank you, Jesus. See, my father-in-law, he's, he's a great guy. I've got a great father-in-law. Great father-in-law. I'm blessed to have a great father-in-law. And he does a lot of stuff around the house. Joe's doing children's church and she'll be like, she'll be agreeing with me. He's a great guy. Unsaved, but great. But God's drawing him. I believe that. He's one of the people that's actually watched a couple of our videos on YouTube. And God's drawing him. When I first met Joe, he was a proper atheist. Didn't believe in God whatsoever. But little by little, God started to court draw him. How does he do that? Through our lives. There's nothing special about me. But he watches. And he sees how we react to hard times and to things when they're not going well in our life. He's watching. 
And I want to encourage you this morning that people are watching on in your lives to see whether what you've got is the real thing. To see what you've got is real. And we may not see, they may not say, hey, I want to be a Christian today. It may be a long process where they're looking, man, Steve, God has been drawing him for years. But keep being faithful. Keep being that light in the darkness. Because God is already working. So you're good and I believe Steve's going to be good. Yeah? So why did I mention Roger? <laughs> He's done a lot of work on our house, right? I'm... I said last week, I'm not a teacher, and I was rebuked afterwards. They say, well, yeah, you can, yeah I can teach, but I'm not a teacher. That's not my main function. I can teach a little bit. Okay, I can teach a little bit. Okay? But I'm, but I'm not great at DIY neither. And now someone's going to rebuke me saying, you can do, yeah, I can do DIY just a little bit badly. It's all, we can do anything, can't we? It depends whether it's good or bad. And Roger, bless him, he can see stuff. He can just walk in a room and he'd be like, oh, this is what you want to do, da 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 A bit like you, Bob. He's got that visionary brain when it comes to building. And he loves it. And when we sort of say, right, Rod, you know, we might need to change our... We did our bathroom years ago in our old house. And we said, we might need you to come down and help with it. He's like, yeah, you know, I'll be down there driving down from Totnes. He comes down. I'm still trying to get changed into me work shorts and me work socks and me old top polo shirt. And what. by the time I'm getting, he's in there already with a blinking great sledgehammer already working. <laughs> he's ripping off tiles. He's ripping the glass sort of shower unit out even before I've got dressed. <laughs> he's already working. And Joe's there giving me grief saying, you better get in there because Roger's already working. I was like, I know, give me time struggling here to put me trousers on, like let alone rip a tile off the wall. But he's already working. He's already working. Sometimes he just gives me a box of screws and just sort of <laughs> spills them on the floor and say, there you go, pick them up for a bit, keep me occupied. <laughs> oh dear. So I'll show you, he's already working. What does that mean? Turn to Jeremiah 18, please. Jeremiah 18. He's already working. So I'm good, George. I'm good. You're good. He's already working in your life. Thank you, Lord. Jeremiah 18. <clears throat> Jeremiah, the prophet, who was sent to speak God's word to the nation of Judah. Judah and Israel had split. There were two kingdoms, north kingdom, south kingdom. Judah was in the south. And Jeremiah was sent to speak God's word. And in this time here in, in, in chapter 18, literally the Babylonians are literally just about to come and take Judah captive. Jerusalem was their capital. So the enemy is right at the door, Anne. The Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, the kingdom of Babylonia, they were coming to take God's people away captive. And this is where we find this, this, this scripture here in Jeremiah 18. They're right in the middle of it. Anybody know what that feels? So have literally the enemy banging at the door saying, God, I need a word from you. God, I need you. If you don't show up, then I'm going under. I've been there. This is where Jeremiah comes to speak. He speaks to the people of Judah. He speaks repentance, but he also speaks of restoration. Restoration. And this is where, where we are. I'm not even there. Look, come on, get there, get there. Here we go. Jeremiah 18 says, The lesson from the potter. 
This is what I love. I want to show you this. The, the, the word which came to Jeremiah, verse 1 of the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then this is, this is it. Look, verse 3. Watch this. Watch this. Verse 3. He says, And as he got to the, went down to the potter's house, verse 3, he says, And there he was, making something at the wheel. Making something at the wheel wins. When Jeremiah went down to the potter's house, what's happening? The potter was already working. <laughs> Can you see now why I've got the little potter's bit of clay working? When Jeremiah went down to the potter's house, the potter was already working. He was working at the wheel. Could have called it working at the wheel, but I didn't want to. You see, in Isaiah, it says that we are the clay. Isaiah said, we are the clay, and God is the potter, okay? And we are all the work of his hands. So as, this is a, a picture here that Jeremiah sees that as he goes into the potter's house, the potter is already working. He's already working. And what does it say? Verse 4, it says that as the vessel that he made of clay was marred, in the hand of the potter. That's interesting, isn't it? It was marred, but it was still in his hand. See, often in our lives, that word marred there says it was ruined, corrupt, and spoiled. And sometimes I feel like that, and I know you feel like that, but it says that he was still in his hands. See, just because we're, we're a bit marred sometimes and we get things wrong doesn't mean that we're not out of his hands. That's good news. And it says that then, he says he made it again. Have a look. Look what it says. He says it was marred, but he said, so he made it again into another vessel that seemed good to the potter. But he didn't use a different lump of clay. Look at what it says there. He says he made it again. It was the same clay that represents our lives. It was the same lump of clay, Jen. That means that when we get it wrong, he doesn't just discard us. Chuck you away and say, you're rubbish, you're useless, you're fit for the bin. But he says, I'm going to shape you and mould you again into something different. A new vessel, a new creation, Alison. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about being a new creation. And you're made new. You're a new vessel. You're a new creation. And so are you if you've accepted Jesus in your life. You're a new creation, God says. What a picture of salvation. As it seemed good to the potter. And verse 6 says, O Israel, but you could say in there, O church... You could say, oh, Celestine. You could say, oh, Charles. Oh, Iris. Oh, Hannah. Can I not do with you also? So you are in my hand. You're in God's hands this morning. You're in his hands. So you can be secure. See, that's what it says. And Lee picked up on that with the, the prophecy that, that God spoke through Sam. That's what it says. It says, people will revere me and repent. See, the repentance is just a turning around. Sometimes it's just going about the situation in the wrong way and turning around. 
And it says, as they see me in my glory, my people will be prepared to handle the great work of my spirit. Handle it. And I know you picked up the other week on my message where it says, you can handle it. Remember that one? You can handle it. But you see, the only way you can handle the work of the Spirit, or the only way you can handle this life, if, you're, if it is, if you're in His hands. If you're in His hand, that's the only way you're going to handle this life. That's the only way, and we're being prepared. We're being prepared. You can nudge the person next to you if you've got someone next to you and say, You're a work in progress. You're a work, a spiritual nudge. Give them a nudge. Not too much of a nudge, Charles. I saw Thaver kind of go flying across. You're a work in progress. Jen, you're a work in progress. We're being shaped on the wheel like that pot of clay there. We're being shaped. We're being molded. Sometimes life feels like it's a bit swaying sometimes, doesn't it? Sometimes it can feel like we're a bit wet. I've been said that many a times to me. It's a bit wet behind the ears. I don't know what that quite means, but feeling a bit wet, a little bit unstable sometimes. But as long as we're in the potter's hand, he's got you. He's got you. He's already working. And sometimes it requires a little bit of tweaking here and a little bit of shaping there, a little bit of honing and tuning. That's what you always used to say to me. The master craftsman is already at work in you. And I've already mentioned that Wendy said that on Wednesday. See, our perception gets blurred when we take our focus off him. When we try and get ourselves off the wheel. See, the clay can't get itself off the wheel, not when it's in his hands. See, there's only two ways in this life. See, either life will shape you or God will. There's only two ways, Pete. And I'm learning that one, Marie, I'm learning it. Either life is going to shape you or God will. And you've got to make that choice sometimes. Because when we try and do things our own way in life, I just want to tell you, we'll end up being in, in some kind of trauma, we'll end up being disappointed, we'll end up with bitterness, whatever it may be. But when you allow God to shape you, he's the master craftsman. There's only two ways. So how do you handle being shaped? How do you handle times when you're anointing or your calling doesn't match your season? How do you handle that when they don't match, they don't overlap? And you think, hey, I'm called, I'm, I'm anointed to do something, but the season I'm in doesn't match the anointing I'm in. Think about King David. 1 Samuel 16, it says that Samuel went to anoint David, and we all know the story, Saul was rejected. And God comes and speaks to Samuel, and he says, why are you mourning over something that I've already disregarded? And that may be a word, I feel it in my spirit for someone today, saying, why are you mourning over something God's already moved on from? Move on. Because Samuel, it says, gird up your, Lord, get your horn ready, fill it with oil to go and anoint the one that God has chosen. 
And we know that, that, that Samuel went and, and Jesse had his eight. Oh, he didn't have his eight sons at that point. He only had his seven. David was still in the field and he brought him out and he brought up the eldest. The one that was probably the tallest, the firstborn. See, God looks at the inward. Man looks at the outward. But it says God looks at the heart. And we know that, that Samuel said, this is not the one. What do, you, what do you mean this is not the one? It's my firstborn. This is the best one. He's the master hunter. He's the, he's the good one. And Samuel looks. He says, that's not the one God wants. So he brings out number two child. He says, that's not the one I want neither. Number three, no, that's not. You should have sort of, sort of realizing what was going on here, shouldn't he? Number four, number five, no, no, no. Number, number seven, the seventh child. I don't even know who his name was. But number seven, when I'm thinking, this is coming to me. I'm seventh in line to the throne almost, and it's coming to me. God's rejected. When it got to number seven, God says, no. Sam, through Sam, he says, no, that's not the one. And he was looking, thinking, all seven sons are here. What, is this it? God, what are you doing? And he says to Jesse, have you got any more sons? He said, yeah, there's one scraggly old thing out in the, out in the field keeping the sheep. And he said, go get him. Go get him. And when he came, he said, this is the one. This is the one who God's anointed to be king over Israel. The one who is out keeping the sheep. This is the one. But what was next is interesting because what happens next? He doesn't immediately go to the to the party. He doesn't have his coronation day. Like King Charles said, he doesn't have the coronation day. He's been anointed to be king. Dana, trumpets play. None of that. What does it say? He says he went back to working in the field. He went back to serving. Serving the father that didn't even recognize his gifting. Wow, what a lesson. He went back to caring. He went back to worshiping. In the season he was in, he went back to worship. He went back to honoring his father until the right time. He didn't complain. He didn't kind of say, God, where are you? I'm anointed. I'm the man. God, I'm the man for the season. He went back to doing what God had called him to do. See, when your anointing doesn't match your season, you've still got to worship. You've still got to serve. You've still got to care. Don't go about complaining. Don't go about being bitter about it. Say, God, you're in this. When the promise doesn't match the reality. May not be your anointing in the season. What about that? What about when your feelings don't match your faith? How are you going to react to that when you're being shaped? I want to react in the right way because in the right time, God says there's a time for everything. Every season, there's a purpose. And when I'm in his timing, it's the right time. It's the right time. He's already working. He's already working. Here we go. Let's bring it up to the New Testament. You're like, get out the Old Testament. Bring it up to date. Come on, get in the Old. I want to tell you, I love the Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament. Luke chapter 5, please. Come on, everyone say, he's already working. He's already working. So Luke chapter 5, we're going to see this one. What about when the fish aren't where they're supposed to be? <laughs> Jen, what about when the fish aren't where they're supposed to be? Luke 5, what about that then? When you say, my anointing's not matching my season, what about when the fish aren't where they're supposed to be? 
Look at this, Luke 5. Luke 5. This is Jesus now. This is Jesus saying, in verse 1, it says that the multitudes came to hear the word of the Lord. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, Romans says. So if you want your faith to be increased, if you want faith, it says you need to hear the word of the Lord. You can't go from Sunday to Sunday. If this is the first bit of Bible that you've heard or listened to all week, I want to tell you, your faith is not going to be stretched. Your faith isn't going to grow. You need to be hearing and listening stuff during the week. So the multitudes were coming and it pressed about them to hear the word of the Lord. Faith is coming. Faith is coming. It says that the fishermen, the fishermen there, they had gone from their boats and they were washing their nets. Their boats were actually stood up, it says. They actually took the time to stand their boats up. They were done. And they were washing their nets. They worked all night and now we're washing. But verse 4, it says that Jesus, when he had stopped speaking to the multitudes, it says that immediately Jesus spoke to Peter. And I want to encourage you today that you may feel like you're just part of the crowd, part of the multitude. But I want to tell you, Jesus spoke to Peter and Jesus is going to speak to you. Because he sees where you're at. And Jesus spoke to, to Peter. What did he say to him? He said, launch out. Launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Peter says this. He says, we've worked all night. We've done our best all night, Ter. I've been preaching all morning. I've toiled hard and I've done my best. They worked hard all night and they caught nothing. Have you ever been in that one before? Where you've worked on a family issue maybe and you've put all your heart and soul into your children and you look and you say, hey, I don't see anything coming back. I've worked hard at a certain relationship and now there's nothing. I've toiled, I've, I've done my best. See, and very often God will allow us to do our best. He will allow us to work as best as we can to use all our strength until we come back and we say, Jesus, I can't do it anymore. He allows very often our boats to be empty. Do you know that? But we try and fill our boats. The boats meaning our lives as a metaphor, yeah? We try and fill it. But you know, Jesus actually allows your boat to be empty because Jesus wanted to use the boat if the boat wasn't empty, Steve, Jesus wouldn't have been able to get in the boat. Do you see that? And when I saw that, it, it, it leapt in my heart to think, wow, what a life lesson there. See, Jesus can't get into our lives when our boats are full. If that boat was full of fish, Jesus wouldn't have been able to get in that boat. There has to be room for Jesus. But when we fill our boats with pride or with selfish ambition or with disappoint, whatever it may be, there's no room for Jesus. You see, every act of faith is based on a decision. Every act of faith is based on a decision. Just read Hebrews 11. You've got Romans 8 this afternoon, okay, now you've got Hebrews 11, another one where you can't help but be encouraged 
When you read Hebrews 11, the kind of uh, faith hall of fame, I call it. The hall of faith. Everybody in there that, that made a decision. Moses at the Red Sea, it says he crossed the Red Sea by faith. He had to make a decision. Abraham was called out of his country to go to somewhere he didn't know where he was going. But it says he did it in faith, but he had to make a decision. What about David going to meet Goliath? He had to make that decision in faith. Daniel in the lion's den. Joseph said he could see the promise afar off, but he had to make a decision not to let faith leave his heart. Joshua walking around the walls. Peter walking on water. He had to make a decision. See, every miracle in the Bible, every miracle in the Bible is on the end of someone's decision. (laughs) I like that. Every miracle in the Bible is on the end of someone's decision to act in faith. Where they said, I understand what it looks like in the natural. I understand what it looks like, but my God is supernatural. And I like this. It says, you cannot change your destination overnight. You can't change your destination overnight, but you can change your direction in a moment. And I like that. You can't change your destination overnight, but you can change your direction in a moment. A moment of faith, a moment of obedience, a moment of kindness, a moment of worship can change your direction. And that's what Peter did. In that moment, he changed his life's direction. See, it brought about a miracle, but it was deeper than that. It was deeper than the miracle. See, it says that they caught so much fish when he let his let down at Jesus' word. He caught so much fish, it says that the boat began to sink and they had to call other people to help. But what I like about that is the boat didn't sink, but Peter did. (laughs) What do I mean by that? Peter did. It says in in, in verse, have a look, it says that he, he fell down on his knees. He sank to his knees. Verse 8, the boat didn't sink. You see, you're not going to sink, but Jesus wants you to sink. You're not going to sink, but Jesus wants you to sink. Because in that very act, Peter worshipped. He fell down at Jesus' knees. He was undone. Like Isaiah chapter 6, wasn't it, Wednesday? We were talking about that Wednesday as well, where Isaiah said, I'm undone. Woe is me when he saw the glory of God. And I believe Peter here, he saw, he said, I'm a sinner. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. He he realised the glory, the majesty, the, the splendor of who Jesus was at that moment. And Peter worshipped. When they had weary and they had worked all night. You see, weariness can lead to weakness unless it's interrupted by worship. I'll say that again. Weariness can lead to weakness if it's not interrupted by worship. See, we have to worship. 
We have to worship him, the one who holds all things together. And this is a perfect illustration of Peter. It's a perfect illustration of, 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 of his reverence. Peter then repented. He saw Jesus in his glory. And then he put his kingdom first. But Jesus didn't depart from him. Peter said, depart from me, Lord, go. I, I can't be in your presence. This is too much. This is too much. But Jesus didn't depart from him. Jesus won't depart from you. But what did Jesus do? He commissioned him. He commissioned him. Verse 10, he says, don't worry. I can see you're not very good at catching fish. Because <laughs> now you're going to be catching men. You're going to be fishers of men. That was the commission. And it says that Peter left all. He, he ended up not catching fish and he ended up just leaving the fish anyway. See, the fish aren't important. Well, they are, but they're not as important as looking to Jesus. To seeing Jesus, to seeing Jesus in his full glory. You know, and the devil knows. He knows very well. The devil knows if you were to actually act upon Jesus' words and you would find freedom and you would find life. The devil knows that. The devil knows that. He knows if you were to actually believe what Jesus says, you'll find freedom. You'll find life. So what does he do? He tries to distract. He tries to discourage. He tries to manipulate. He tries to wear you down. Because he knows if you were to act upon those words that Jesus says, you'll find freedom. You'll find life. But I believe this morning that Jesus is about to speak to your nothing. If there's a nothing in your life where you're saying this is just nothing's happening, Jesus is about to speak to that nothing because he's already working. He's already working it out for you. He's already working for you all things. So because he's working, you can say, I'm good. I'm good because he's already working it. I'm good. I'm good. So let's just bow our heads, please. Let's just bow our heads. You put your Bibles down. He's already working. So I'm just sensing that the Holy Spirit is, is at work in some people here. You need to know this morning that he's already working for you. He's working all things for your good. For your good. The good and the bad, he's working it all together. He's working it all together for you. He's already working. He's already, like the potter's wheel, he was already in there working before Jeremiah got there. He was already working. When you can't see it, he's working. When you can't feel it, he's working. And there are some things this morning that 
as we read, that, that it says that Peter was washing his nets. And it says that they caught nothing. Actually, they did catch something. They didn't catch fish. But the reason they were washing their nets is because they caught weeds, debris, dirt, that get caught up in the nets. And if they didn't wash the nets, and the next time they went out to catch fish, the fish would be disturbed. The fish would, would hear underwater the, the debris in the net. So they had to wash the net. And what that says to me this morning is there are some people in this place that have caught some weeds. That have maybe caught some dirt, some debris along the way of life. Whether you've heard something, whether you've someone spoken something over you. And today Jesus is saying, let me wash your net clean. See, Peter had to wash his own net. But today I believe Jesus is saying, let me wash your net for you. That's what he, he came to serve. And there's some sin in, in your life as well that, that is the dirt that Jesus is saying today that you need to... Repent for your sin. You need to let Jesus wash your life. You may need to make an actual commitment to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. And so if that's you, whether you're listening online, if that's you this morning and you can make a decision right now, in this place where everyone's bowed their head to say, Jesus, I need you. I've been running for too long. I've been working hard at life for too long. Come and clean my net for me. Come and make me clean. It's only Jesus that can clean your life up. It's only Jesus that can pull those weeds out of your heart. It's only Jesus that can clean that debris in your life. So I'm going to give you the chance to say, yeah, Jesus, I need you. There's people in this place this morning that need to hear the gospel of Jesus to say, yes, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you in my life to make me clean. I need to repent. Is that you this morning? Now is the chance to say, Jesus, yes. And there may be others that have just picked up some debris along the way. Along life's journey. And you've toiled and you've worked and you've done your best and now you're feeling overwhelmed. Now you're feeling exhausted. Jesus is saying, I'm here. I was already working for your good. Respond to me. Let me take your burden. Let me take that thing that is weighing on your heart. If that's you, then... Just allow him to do a work in your heart this morning.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you're already working for our good. But Lord, we want to respond to your word. Peter said, nevertheless, at your word I will. Lord, because you said it, I'm going to do it. And in this next period of time, I believe that God is calling you, he's drawing you into that place of reverence, of a place of seeing his glory, a place of freedom. As we shift our focus onto Jesus. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that you're already working for us. We thank you that you are in control. You reign over all. That you are the God of all comfort. And Lord, you're near the brokenhearted. And you bring freedom and life to those who have their faith in you. And so we thank you, Jesus, in this place today that you are working. You are working. So I'm good. You are working for my good. Help us to understand that this morning, Jesus. That we make a decision for you. That we make a decision for you, Jesus. Can you say amen to that this morning? That he's for you. He's not against you. He's for you, not against you. He's called you. He's made you righteous. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.